questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mal Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And to listen to tonight's interview, and believe me when I tell you that you do not want to miss it. A lot of uncensored material that you will not hear anywhere else. Go to VeritasRadio.com and click on subscribe. It's time for you to get the whole truth. And if you haven't tried pure organic sulfur, well, you're missing out. Go to the Veritas store and check it out. And by the way, there is a possibility that I may be bringing MMS back. Send me an email if you're interested. I mean, for a few years now, we stopped selling it, but I have found a supplier. But I want to know from you first. Let me know if you're interested, and I may bring it back. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, have feedback, or simply just want to write, I always love to hear from you. Click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. What would you do if you discovered that the end times and the Antichrist were somehow interconnected with giants, modern conspiracy theories, aliens, vampires, secret societies, and fairies? What would you do if you learned refugees from another apocalypse dutifully encoded dire warnings into worldwide testimonies, preserving them for a specific generation, this generation concerning an ancient and ongoing conspiracy to enslave humankind? Would you simply walk away? Seriously, would you really tell anyone? Or would you disregard the personal onslaughts that would be sure to follow the expose of such controversial discoveries? Tonight's guest has written an incredible book that would require one full year of interviews to discuss it all. Tonight I will do my best to scratch the surface, and if he agrees, we'll invite him back in the future to tell us more. The book is titled The Genesis Conspiracy, How Secret Societies and the Descendants of Giants Plan to Enslave Humanity. His name is Gary Wayne, a Christian contrarian who has maintained a lifelong love affair with biblical prophecy, history, and mythology. His extensive study has encompassed the Holy Bible, the Gnostic scriptures, the Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, Gilgamesh, and other ancient epics, language etymology, and secret society publications. His website is Genesis, the number six, conspiracy.com. And he joins us today on Veritas. Hello, Gary, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Very good, and so happy to be with you today, and I think what we're going to talk about is going to hopefully raise some curiosity amongst your audience, and I think it's going to be a very, very good discussion. It certainly, certainly will. You have been very highly recommended, and when you and I spoke a few weeks ago and we had to have you on, the first question, well, I have the book right here, and I have to tell you, I have hundreds, if not thousands of books in my library, and this is probably one of the lengthiest books I have in my possession. So I have to ask you, how did this all begin for you? 
Yeah, it's an interesting uh, way into writing such a large book. And, and by the way, uh, I, I edited out 350 pages just so I could get it down to at least the size that I think that it could get published. Uh, but what I wanted to do is I wanted to write uh, my first book that was I intended to write it as the shortest book I was going to write. And I wanted to cut my teeth on something that I thought was going to be something relatively easy. And so I'm a prophecy buff at heart. And as I was getting into prophecy, and I'm also a history buff, and I'm a mythology buff, and, and you know, I just love to read. So, But as I was looking at uh, drafting and cataloging all the different prophecy narratives that run through the Bible, you know, you quickly run into Genesis 6, and you have these crazy things uh, called giants being talked about in Genesis 6, and then they come up after the flood. And so they also come up in prophecy where Jesus talks about his second coming and the signs of the end of the age will be like the days of Noah. And then there's demons and there's fallen angels and there's supernatural events that happen throughout Revelation and end time prophecy. And I wanted just to sort of just quickly connect the two because I felt somehow that they were probably connected. So I was just going to write a simple, easy, short book, cut my craft on that book and then go on to write some of the other books that I was, uh, I'm, I'm also hoping to write. But something happened along the way. And so as I started to dig and ask more questions, uh, I came across books and information whether or not it was in other religions or in other mythologies or in history, and particularly when I got into the secret societies and their books and their writings, that the whole investigative nature and what I was going to do changed somewhat. So it's still a 6,000-year investigation uh, into connecting the dots between the House of Dragon, as I like to call them, and the end time, but it also turned into a conspiracy investigation. And then as I asked more questions about that aspect, it just led to more and more and more and more. And so I finally had to cut it off. And because you could just, it's such a rabbit hole that you can go down to, it just never ends, it seems. So uh, at some point in time, I thought, well, I, I'm just telling more and giving more information about the same sort of things, and I need to cut it back and uh, try and make it presentable and something that hopefully somebody would want to read. So that was kind of the journey. And so I, you know, I did about oh, you know, over 20 years of prophecy research, and then I thought I had everything ready to go and do this book, and then it took me another 12 to 15 years to write the book. And I think this happens to anyone who's a truth. Seeker, we open one door, and I think this might have happened to you while writing the book. We open one door, then 10 doors opens. So you may have had a few chapters in mind, and then they just magnified and they multiplied. But Christian Contrarian, for those who might not know what that means, what does that mean? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm a Christian, and uh, first and foremost. But as a Contrarian is the second part to what I like to call myself, is, is I don't readily accept the status quo. I don't readily accept just what people tell me or what somebody might tell me something says or what something is all about. I have to verify it for myself. And I do that with the Bible as well, as well as everything else that I investigate. And so that's why I'm a contrarian. And so I will arrive at some views, even from a Christian perspective, particularly from a Christian perspective, that 
other Christians may not have looked at before because they've never challenged it. And some of it will be a little bit controversial for, for some. But again, I do measure everything um, that I do from a Christian perspective against the Bible. And then when I'm using outside sources, I let them speak for themselves. And I use a vast amount of outside sources because I'm letting them tell their story and I don't want to manipulate what they're saying. And when that runs contrary to what it might say in the Bible, I'll point that out. But I do want, whether or not it's the other religions telling their history or uh, historians as they view history or secret societies in terms of their history or what they want to do, I want it to come out that it's not speculative and I want it to come out that I'm not manipulating what they're saying. And then I match it up and measure it against what it says in the Bible. Well, then you're, you're a breath of fresh air because I grew up a Catholic and I remember even in school, I would question things in the Bible, and I was told again, time and time again, you don't question. That's the Word of God, and that's the way it is, and you should not be questioning it. What's your take on people who think that way? Well, I think uh, any time that you say the debate is over, um, two things are going on. One is, is that's a bit uh, you know, like a fascist point of view, and secondly, you're becoming so elite that uh, it, it just— does not uh, a zealot. Well with Pardon me? A zealot. A zealot, absolutely. And you ought to be able to look at everything. You ought to be sound in your views, and you ought to be able to, to defend your views. And if you are wrong or something has been overlooked, you ought to be able to say, okay, I get that. I understand that now. And that's I get, And I get a lot of that. From people who are listening to me, they come to me and say, you know, I've never looked at it from that point of view before, and I really like what you're saying, or you're answering so many questions about what always bothered me, but nobody would want to talk about. And then the other thing that goes on in church, and certainly as being raised Catholic, you would know this, is they don't deal that much in the supernatural, and Genesis 6 seems to be just taboo, right? Right. And and that's not just in the Catholic Church, that's in most churches. And I have ministers uh, who contact me and say, you know, we never were taught any of this in seminary school. Well, it's not only with religious people, it's even with, well, if we can call China, for example, an atheist country, because our website, multiple times we have to even call the consulate and the embassy in Washington, so we are unblocked in China, because they block us there, because they consider us to be spewing superstitious material if you can believe that yeah yeah and i'm i'm very much that people you know they have free choice or they should have free choice and that people should choose what they believe and know why they believe what they believe and not everybody's going to agree on what everybody believes but i think you have to make that conscious choice as opposed to just sort of walking asleep through life and i think people who are asleep are easily deceived uh, and I know that, you know, on the counterpart of the argument is, is that, you know, you can be maybe a little bit too negative or a little bit too critical, but I think better to ask good, critical, hard questions as to, you know, what's going on? What, what are things all about? Why are we here? Where are we going? And why did things happen before? I think those are legitimate questions. Well, right on my Skype, you see one of my favorite quotes. I would rather have questions that cannot be answered than answers. That cannot be questions. That yes. is. Now, when we think of giants, uh, Gary, we usually think of David and Goliath or the Epic of Gilgamesh. 
I've seen photographs not reported to the mainstream media, i.e. National Geographic, uh, which everyone who listens to this program knows who owns Nat Geo. Uh, and yes, there are plenty of Photoshop material out there to muddy the waters, but can you say without a shadow of a doubt that giants existed and walked the earth? And if so, why do the powers that want to be want to hide that from us and, and not say the dinosaurs, for example? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think, you know, the big issue with the, the giants is it doesn't fit with the narrative that uh, the powers to be, whether or not it be religious or secular, are wanting to deal with. It doesn't fit sort of the worldview that they want to present at this point in time. And there's a lot of evidence out there to suggest that uh, giants existed. And even today, and I have a couple of Facebook pages, um, and on there, uh, I have a Genesis 6 page that I, you know, have, uh, newspaper articles from the, uh, 1800s and 1900s to up to say about 1940 or 1950. And some of these have drawings. Some of these have actual photographs on some of the newer ones. They all have descriptions of all of these giants being discovered. In North America. And what is consistent is, is that, and they document it in these newspaper articles that the Smithsonian comes along, takes the excavation, and they're never heard of again. Right. And that happens over and over and over and over and over and over, just as it happens on the little people ex- excavations as well. And also, when you get beyond that, you have all of these reliefs and ancient sort of artwork and preservation of these very odd beings that, you know, are recorded in history. And many of them are serpent-like looking. And these are definitely giants, whether it's Egyptian reliefs or it are reliefs in Canaan or anywhere around the world, India. They have all recorded not only in stone and in caves and things, uh, depictions of giants, but also in their mythologies and their histories and their religions. And we also have these elongated skulls that have been discovered. And of course, the ones that are coming to light more of late are the Peruvian ones, uh, with the red hair. And, you know, it's one thing to bind your skull and to create that elongated look to look like what these giants look like in the past, but you can't make the skull bigger. Right. And so when they're significantly larger than human skulls, then there's something else going on there. There are skulls that are in like Santorini and the Minoan discoveries and on Crete where they don't even bring these things out for public display. And then even if you get beyond that sort of idea that the understanding that giants are recorded on all five continents, in over 500 cultures around the world, as well as a flood story, as as well as pyramids all over the world. There are so many things that are recorded that are a common sort of history that it is beyond the shadow of a doubt in my mind that that could be a coincidence because you would get the mathematical zero on the combinations and permutations and the odds as you start to calculate that. And they all tell a very similar story. And again, we have accountings of giants, whether or not it's in the Bible, or it's in India, or it's in Central America, it matters not, or, or North American, and the North American native tribes 
there are a wealth of information on these ancient giants and little people. And again, little people are one of these common heritages that are, again, on all continents around the world and in all cultures. So for me, without spending too much time on it and, and noting other uh, testimonies, even at around uh, the time of Jesus with Josephus recording these giant bones that were completely different bioengineered structure than what you humans were, and they kept them on display even at that time uh, because people would wonder at them or accounts that are recorded in Roman history and on and on and on. There's our accounts of giants recorded all throughout our history to be something that could not have happened and just a figment of everybody's imagination just makes no sense to me. And I'm so glad that you're mentioning the Smithsonian because, as you mentioned, they seem to... Uh you know, have for some reason admitted to the destruction of the thousands of giant human skeletons. I'm I'm yet to see a formal report showing that they're actually admitting to this, but this is the information I'm getting. And also you're mentioning the the little people, the homofluorous senses from uh, Indonesia, three and a half feet tall. Why is it that Every time I go to New York, I go to the, the Natural History Museum. I just returned from London, went to the Natural History Museum there, and we invariably always see Lucy, the Australopithecus there, uh, you know, showing that we come from apes and apes still running around, but we never see anything about the Homo fluorescensis or giants. Why is that? Well, it seems that if there's any discovery uh, that doesn't fall in with the paradigm and the agenda and the theory that they want to present, it just disappears or gets ignored or gets reclassified as, as something else. And again, I, I don't think that they want to have this information come out until they're ready to bring it out at a certain point in time in history or in the future, sorry, not into history. And so they're controlling this information. And, you know, the, the biggest, the two biggest uh, sources of, uh, and I would actually put a third in there now, of uh, ancient knowledge and discoveries would be the Catholic Church at the Vatican, and the other one would be Freemasonry. And I would also include the Royal Society and its related organizations as separate uh, for also holding significant ancient history and, and evidence. And I would also note that the Royal Society and the Smithsonian, which it would report to, um, the Smithsonian would report to the Royal Society, as all science organizations still do today, uh, would be in partnership with the secret societies or Freemasonry, simply because the Royal Society was created by Freemasonry and the Rosicrucians in the 1640s and officially uh, reassembled in 1660. But what exactly are they trying to hide? Because obviously, from our perspective, we seem to be piercing the veil here, so we get to see a little bit more than what the mainstream population can you know, see or perceive. What is their purpose of keeping this away from our psyche, our, our, our conscience? Yeah, to, to, to literally for control, to control the information and to bring it about when they're ready. So... When, when, and when I say that, I know that sounds almost like a dodge, but I know I'm going to just sort of bring that back and maybe a little bit more into focus is that they are planning, which is, you know, kind of one of the big things about my book and, and what I'm telling, uh, from the beginning. But what they want to do is they want to bring. 
Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.